Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode... We've got some hip-hop royalty. We've got Dominic Owen, um, and Dom is a, 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 an absolute legend in the game. Produced and co-wrote with, um, with Notorious B.I.G. I mean, it, we, we, it, there's new music coming from the shortwave craft, but we, we talk about his career. And, you know, in, in 1993, you know, he's in the early, in early 90s. He's in, he's in New York, and, uh, and he's working with legends like Rakeem, Buster Rhymes, M.O.P., like the, honestly, like Angie Stone, like Anthony Hamilton, just absolute dons of the game, uh, and we, uh, we 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 find out about that journey and how that started in Nottingham, and uh, and Harry found himself in Bransville, and yeah, it's a it's a delightful chat, and uh, he's a he's, he's a real top guy. You know, it's one of them good chats when when you finish, you press stop, and you just carry on chatting, and uh, and it's lovely when you get someone on that's. Well, he's around my age, and uh, and we had very sort of similar experiences and uh, about the excitement of the, you know, the the, the evolution of hip hop in the eighties. It was one of the most exciting, you know, times for any any kid. I think uh, back then, hearing hip hop for the first time and and such. And we we have a deep dive on that. And before we get uh, onto that chat, I want to say huge thanks uh, to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, there's so many good podcasts over there, so go check them out. Another podcast I want to shout out uh, is the Blue Murder Club podcast, and it's the team over there that produced this podcast. So, um, so go check them out. If you like your true crime podcast, go give them a listen. Uh, I want to thank you lot for continuing to support this podcast. Fast approaching 500 episodes, 500 episodes, and uh, and keeping it regular with two a week and uh, all for free. Um, but nearly 500 episodes, two a week, all for free. What do I ask in return? I'll tell you what I ask in return. Tell your mates about the podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Head over there. Give us a little like, a love, a share, a retweet, a comment, a message. Where do you listen to your podcasts? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get them. Click share, follow, subscribe. And uh, and yeah, subscribe. And then that way, or, or even if you leave a little review, that really helps. And you, you'll often hear podcasters at the beginning of the podcast asking for that. And it does matter, and it really does matter, and it takes two secs. So by all means, pause this for two secs, go and do it, and then come back. Good, you've done it. Welcome back. Thank you. 
Right, one of the other things, if you like hearing uh, people talking about music enthusiastically, amazing creative people talking enthusiastically about music, um, then I would suggest that you head over to Patreon. My Patreon, in fact, and that is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash off the beat and track. Now, let me tell you what you get over there. You get access to watch all the episodes. So uh, if you like to watch your podcast, head over there because uh, each week uh, the episode comes out and you can watch the videos. So you can put your feet up, stick it on your telly or your laptop or your phone, whatever, and just watch um, these amazing uh beautiful creative geniuses and then my big old uh elderly ed um so uh you not only get to watch all of the episodes you get mixtapes each week you get little radio shows a back catalogue of hundreds of radio shows mixtapes and episodes you get access to all of that and also once a month we do a live show and it's on zoom and you're all invited and so the patreons all turn up and we pick a track from the uh, a question from the podcast and then we all answer it. And so you can turn up and get really involved if you want and have a good chat and feature on the episode. Or you can just sit there with your camera on and watch or your camera off and just, you know, watch from, uh, you know, watch from the privacy of your own home. But anyone even knowing you're there, you can do it wherever suits you. Um, and let me tell you what that's going to cost, right? Because we are living in a cost of living crisis. We are living in a shit pit of a country at the moment. Um, so I'm trying to keep it reasonable. I don't expect you to do it, but if you can spare 70p a month, that's all that stuff that I've just mentioned, that's what you're going to get. And that goes in the pot to cover the, you know, keeping two episodes a week free and, and all the work that comes with doing all the artwork, uh, um, maintaining the website, paying for the website, and, uh, and yeah, sorting out all the videos and the mixtapes. And, yeah, so that 70p goes in the pot to uh to help with that and so yeah i'd absolutely um appreciate it if you'd you'd you know go and have a little look you can go over there and look for free there's a little video over there me telling you all about it and you just head over to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash off the beat and track right i think that's it i mean anything else you need to know go to off the beat and track podcast.com uh, and there's your one-stop shop for everything, your socials, your merch, and your Patreon. It's all over now. I think I've done all the hard hard push bits now, and now we can get to the uh, the good stuff. Please enjoy off the Beat and Track podcast with the wonderful Dominic Owen. It's off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Dominic, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm just looking over your shoulder. I'm just being nosy. That's the beauty of Zoom. You can just have a right good nose at people's gaffes. And uh, yeah, there's some serious final there, mate. Yeah, I just had a quick cleanup. <laughs> yeah, it goes it goes a few higher, and then there's another one of those over there. Wonderful. So it's not as much as I used to have, but uh, these are the ones I don't want to get rid of, like my babies, you know? Yeah. It's really weird. I've 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 got like n- not as much as that, but I've got a fair old whack, and it's just through years of DJing and and promoting and stuff. It's like used to get sent so many promos, and and over the years, it's like I've, I've just I can't get rid of anything. I'm not a like a massive holder, but when it comes to vinyl, I just I just don't want to get rid of anything because it all tells a story. And I was going through it the other day, and I said to my wife, I was like. 
I'm going to have to get rid of some of this stuff. It's like, I'm never, ever, ever going to play this ever again. Like, But do you know what I mean? It's still <laughs> yeah. tough to say goodbye. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've got a friend of mine that comes over, and he, he's like, this is worth 150 This is worth 200 This is worth 50 Sell it all. I said, well, I'll sell it. I could sell it all. Um, you know, and, and then there'll be like a blank space behind there. And it's, yeah. it's not my comfort blanket, really. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't play... I don't physically play vinyl anymore. I stopped a few years ago just yeah. because I'm not strong enough to pick the boxes up anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. It's so weird, sort of, and I'm sure you've you've seen it um, many many times. But just the going back in the day of, of DJing, and you'd have like I'd had like this box about that big with three like um, sort of sh- uh, sections in it for seven inch singles, and then I had like two massive ones of twelve inches, and it was like. You needed to be ripped to shit just to carry them to the gig, and like, and yeah. now you just turn up with a little little USB on your key ring, and you're good to go. And you've got access to like five thousand tracks. Mental, right? It's like having a hundred with the covers ripped off, stuffed into a box, just so you can take them out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't miss those days. I mean, it, 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 yeah, I don't miss those days at all. Really. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, I'm going to start. Track one, please tell me the track that you think has the greatest ever intro. This was quite a tough one. And obviously lots of dance music has long, great intros. But for me personally, it was, I was going to go with Pink Floyd, Shine On You, Crazy Diamond. But I ended up with the Eagles, Hotel California, because I just, I love the record. It's a proper intro when, in, in those, that even today, Records don't have intros that last a minute. Yeah. They just don't have it. And a six and a half minute single, which was unique for the time, into what to me is basically a reggae record. Yeah. With a load of blues uh, on it. So classic record. It was All of these questions you gave me were quite tough. Because, well, as soon as I said them, I was like, no, I should have said this, that, that, that. And that and I'm that. fully aware like, these yeah, choices so, could change every day, let alone every hour. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one, but I thought I love that record so much and it's so well recorded and produced and sonically it's amazing and it's just a legendary, fantastic intro. That's why I picked it. What interested me about what you said was you looked at there's loads of um, amazing long intros in dance music and then you referenced um, Floyd, again, another huge long intro. I'm always interested to see when artists choose whether it's something that is long or people just go, oh, it's helped by the Beatles, just bang, straight in. And I like the fact that everything you've chosen and everything you referenced has got something like long about it. And and I find, and I want to ask you this, um, you know, as a, as a producer and, you know, and as, as an artist, we've, we've already sort of spoken about, you know, the, the, the vast amounts of vinyl, uh, behind you and when people were were getting into music then or buying the eagles or buying floyd the the, the way that they will consume their music is way way different to how people are consuming music now you know we live in a world now where you know pop acts are really utilizing things like tiktok to, to to get their music out there and 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 we're seeing the importance of a Spotify playlist, you know, is as important as getting radio play, you know, say 20 years ago. So with all of that in mind, when you're making music now, do 
any of those sort of trends in how people are getting their music and and tech, you know, and trends in technology like social media playing a part in you know getting exposure to music. Does any of that filter into your creative process? No. <laughs> Short and sweet. But <laughs> <laughs> no. I, do, I don't really care about any of that. I'm tuned out, mate. I've been mm. doing it for so long. I don't care about all that at all, really. It's just I'm not kind of following any system. I'm not uh, like a generic pop producer or writer or engineer. I make the things I like and, uh, and what I want to do. So I'm not chasing the fame or the cash or I'm not, you know, that kind of generic plastic view on it. So I don't yeah. really care. Really, yeah. You know, at all. Yeah. I want to go back to Hotel California as well. And and I, I, before, like, we, we started recording this, I was just going through some of the tunes that you sent over, and I just chucked up Hotel California, and it was then being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the, the late 90s. And you're just watching this kind of guitar line just play over. And then when Don Henley just drops them that double tom, and then, like, it kicks in, and I was just watching him drumming and singing, which you don't see very often. There's, you know, there's very few bands, certainly at the size of the Eagles, that the drummer was the singer. And and you just hearing his voice, like, you know, he's his vote not only his vocals are, are, are unbelievable, but to just watch him doing this, like, like you say, almost reggae, like just just playing that sort of snare so crisp and so in time, and singing at the same time. It's ridiculous that. I'm blown away by something as simple as someone being able to multitask drumming and singing, but it's done so perfectly. It's, and it's not an easy thing yeah. to do. You, I mean, you must've been in the studio with thousands of drummers and getting them to, to, you know, to play in time. is not necessarily always an easy thing yet to, to sing the lead vocal over that as well. That's not straightforward, right? No, it, it's a special skill. And do, do you know, the, the working title of that record was called Mexican Reggae. Really? That was the working title. Before there was any vocals, any lyrics, it was Mexican reggae. And it was done on an old drum machine uh, beat. And it's basically a reggae record. Yeah. So I, the other guy, I forgot his name, not the guy who sang it, but the, it was the other guy who wrote the music. Glenn Fry? Was it Glenn Fry? Before. I don't know. There was a lot of very talented people that all had big careers in there. It was uh, Glenn Fry yeah, and... Joe. But it was it was the, the guy who sang it was not the guy. Well, the guy who sang it wrote the lyrics with one of the band, and it was an, the other guy, which I've forgotten his name now. He wrote the music himself, and he's, it was like a Mexican. It, uh, it was called Mexican Reggae. That was the yeah. demo, and it was re-recorded several times as well. Right. Uh, which so they knew they had a great record, yeah. and they recorded it. Uh, it was in the wrong speed. They changed the speeds and then it went, I think they took the key down from E minor to B minor, I think. So they did it a few times. I'm, I've got the same situation now. I'm working on a record that's a great record, but there's something that's not quite right and it, the tempos needs to be changed and yeah. something needs to be changed. You hear there's a great record there, but there's just something not right. So all of those guys were so talented though as well. Yeah. It, it took all of those guys to make that record. So it was a team effort and being open-minded enough to go in there and change the key, change the tempo, change the approach. 
But it's, to me, it's based off it's based off reggae. Yeah, it's a reggae bass line, drum line, and the guitar rhythm. The chink chink. It's a reggae tune. Yeah, really, with blues guitar at the end. You've just completely compartmentalized that that track. You know, from from the drums to the upstroke to to, to everything. Talking about you know the key changes, etc. Doing what you do. Can you hear a record now on the radio, say, and just enjoy it as a piece of music, or are you deconstructing it? Uh, I mean, I don't ever listen to the radio, but the, the music I listen to that I choose myself to listen to, no, I, I don't. I don't dig into it. Yeah. No, I don't dig into it because I, I, I like to enjoy music. You yeah. Know, I really like to enjoy it, and it can be a bit OCD. Oh, that snare's too low. This before. Yeah. Maybe that's why I listened to a lot of classic music because yeah. it was so much more simple. Yeah. And, you you know, things are very overproduced these days. And there's so much technology. We've got so many options. It's easy to go, you know, 500 snare drums, 600. You know, most records have got 10 writers, three featured vocalists, four yeah. DJs that are not doing anything. Yeah. It's like 20 people working on something to make it. Whereas all these records were just very simple and... To, to the point, just great records. Yeah. Going to take you back for track two. Tell me the first song you remember hearing, please, that had an emotional impact on you. Uh, what was track two? Oh, The Message. Mm. Yeah, The Message, 40 years old as well this year, which is incredible. I mean, to me, it still has an emotional impact on me. It's genius. Yeah. The simplicity, again, like I was just saying, the simplicity of that record and my being drawn to hip hop and obsessed with hip hop in New York and that whole scene, that whole birth of hip hop, to me, it was just like, you know, what, what is this? Yeah. It was just like kryptonite. Uh, one, sonically, today, as a producer and an engineer, it's, it sounds incredible. You can go and play that on, in Fabric Ministry of Sound, and it will sound incredible. Yeah. It's simple, iconic voice from. Melly Mel, Grandmaster Flash, iconic DJ. Lyrically, it's the lyrics make sense today, and there's, there's nothing about that record I don't like. It's probably one of my favorite records ever. Yeah. Really, I still feel the same way. It's just an amazing record. I was playing it this morning, going, "This is fucking amazing." Yeah. Where was you when you first heard that? Where was growing up? I was at home, living with my parents uh, at school. And I think I think my mother uh, exposed this to me because she used to be in the nightclub business. She was a, a manager of nightclubs in Nottingham, so she's always been around the music scene. She used to have her own parties, after parties at home and stuff. And I'm pretty sure it was my mother that first played it to me, yeah. uh, bizarrely enough. But that's when hip hop. That was when did that come out? Eighty two. Yeah, yeah eighty two. It came out. So I was twelve years old. Yeah. So I was just like a young kid, like, oh, hip-hop, you know, blown away by hip-hop, breakdancing and the whole... So, so let's talk about this. Basically. Let's talk about this because I'm I'm just, like, I think I'm two years younger than you and 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 hearing Bambata and, and Flash and then, and then you know, the, the Electra albums and things like that, the impact on on kids in the UK... You use, you referenced the word kryptonite there, and and it, and it was like we it was so hard to to get more hip hop because 
occasionally you might see Flash on top of the pops, you know, or, you know, there was certain radio stations that if you, you know, your area was good enough, you could have, you know, got some hip hop off of that. You know, you'd see the electro albums in the, in the, you know, the stunning artwork of them electro albums, you'd see them in like the, the, the record stores and stuff. But aside from that, to get hold of hip hop and or to see like you know break dancing you know you'd 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 watch the Rocksteady Crew video and just you know watch Crazy Legs and all these people just trying to get any little bit of it and I remember there was a copy of Subway Art at my school that had come from our local library and it was like pre-booked at our local library for about a month for about a month and no one could get hold of it and we'd all be looking over each other's shoulders just to see graffiti because. It was so American, and it felt otherworldly. It felt like it had been beamed down from out of space, hip-hop. And I think at that point, yeah. we was all so obsessed with American culture and the films that were coming out after Star Wars and things like that. It was all, America seemed like this super exciting place. And then hip-hop drops, and it's like, what the fuck is this? And it, I don't know if you can relate to anything that I'm saying here, but that was how it felt, you know, in, in, well, down where I am. Yeah. We grew up in a pretty drab era, Yeah, really. We didn't have what we had today. We, we, we couldn't even dream about we'd be doing something like this, talking on a yeah. computer in real time with the screen. We didn't have any fucking screens. We didn't even have colour TVs. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, there was no internet. There was no nothing. There was yeah. football violence, blue sniffing, uh, more violence, more fighting, yeah. uh, tribalism, mm. uh, and everything was pretty dark. And, and I was never into the whole... And I, I never went to college and I, I was never educated. I was never a student. So I was never into the whole Smiths kind of thing. Happy Mondays. That was never my thing. I was just New York. Like I said, to me, it was like a drug. The hairs would go up on my arm. It's like, you know, what is this? It was, it was electric. Yeah. It was, it was like color in a, in a world of black and white, yeah. you know? So hearing that was just mind blowing, you know, and it's, it's what it changed my life. I, I still, I listen to it today. And I, you know, genuinely think it's one of my favourite records. It's yeah. not four years later. Yeah, it's one of my favourite records. There is them them electronic records that don't date, and I think the the message is up there. You know, you throw that in there with I don't know, I feel loved on a summer, anything like that. You still hear them today, and they can come out. Yeah. They could come out today, and you'd be like, "What the fuck's this? This is incredible." It, it it's timeless. Yeah. It it doesn't date. It's just sonically on a its own little platform. Yeah, what? and people people cannot make records like that anymore. Yeah. I mean, they can, but that it doesn't happen. When do you hear things that are that simple? I yeah. mean, maybe listen. I'm, there's so much music today. I don't know. If maybe somebody is, but generally, people are, are trying a lot harder. Yeah, to do something where that the simplicity was key to that. Yeah, it's so simple. It's less than twelve tracks. Yeah, you know, it's less than that's like including the hi at the snare, the kick drum. It's simple. But it has an emotional impact, which, you know, is what a tune. Yeah. I, I don't know what else I can say about it, really. Said it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everything, mate. Said everything. It's, uh, I couldn't agree more. Let's talk school for track three. I'd like you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school. Well, school, funny enough, I didn't realise until after I gave you the list, it's the same guy from The Message yeah. on this record, Manny Mel. But again, Chaka Khan, I feel for you. It, it, like you say, you, you're grabbing onto anything that's hip-hop related, anything that's got a piece of hip-hop. And that video had breakdancers in it. It had Melly Mel, you know, the voice of hip-hop at the time, doing the rap. Scratching. It, it's a genius record. It was written by Prince originally who's a genius. Stevie Wonder is playing harmonica on the record. You've got Melly Mel and Chaka Khan, who's an amazing vocalist. So you've got four legends, really. And I forgot the, uh, the guy who produced it, but he's like an incredible producer. And was it, sonically... Was it, was it Arthur Baker? Did Arthur Baker produce it? No, it wasn't. No, it was... It's, it, his name begins with an A, actually, but I forgot what it is. Was it Arif Mardin? Arif Mardin? Yeah. It, it, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Like today, that record sonically still sounds amazing. Yeah, it, it was cutting edge technology, the drum machines and, and the mixing and a combination of just a group of geniuses getting together. Yeah. And it sounds great now. And I loved it because that was when I was going to youth clubs at school. And again, you know, hip hop starting. They've got rappers in, in the record. They've got dancers in the, in the video, break dancers. It was a massive record for break dancing. Yeah even a few years after that. So that that's a record that sticks out for me because I was still at school when that came out. Yeah. And that was one of those records that influenced me going forward. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that, that you look at, at Prince as an artist just to, 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 to shout out the songwriter. And you, you, look, you look at songs like Nothing Compares to You, Manic Monday by The Bangles, I Feel For You by Shaka Khan. He gave them songs away because he was so confident in what he had in his back pocket. He was like, no, you can have them global hits. I've got plenty more. He wrote the song originally for Patrice Russian. Is that right? She turned it down. Yeah, she turned it down. It's like he had a thing about her and he wrote it for her. Right. She turned it down and he recorded it on his album. Yeah. I never knew that at the time. I was a, a young kid. Yeah. And then it was covered. A few people have covered it, but uh, 84 was the Chaka Khan was the biggest one. Yeah. And Prince is a genius, as we know. Yeah. So that record just had genius all over it, really. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. How how was school? Did you enjoy it? Not really, no. Not really. It was just, it was, I, I, I didn't have any issues at school. I just, I didn't realise how badly educated I was until I was about 30. 
Oh, really? It was, yeah, it was just... It, what did I, I learned nothing at school apart from basic English. Basic English, I still struggled to spell yeah. and, and pronounce things. So I wasn't taught anything at school. Nothing at all. I can't remember anything. Basic woodwork, how to boil an egg, um, religious studies, a little bit of French. Nothing that was any relevant. I never got taught what a credit card was, what the stock market was, what a mortgage was. All the things that affect you in life yeah. was never told to me at school. So I, I feel like I was miseducated at school, really, and and I was and I always knew I was going to do music. Did you? Did you always know that? Always knew I was going. To, I always knew I was going to do music or be involved with music, hundred percent. I didn't know in what capacity, but I knew I was going to be doing music, and I was always told. And they made me think for a while. You need to work in a warehouse because I've got no education. You know, I don't know anything. I'm I'm, I'm from a working class family. We don't know, we've got no education, we don't know any better. So luckily, because I'm pretty ignorant, when I do stuff, I do it, I stuck to the path I was doing, which has been a hard path. It's not easy to have a career making music and uh, survive. But school, never had an issue at school, but it, I realised the power of good education is absolutely massive. Yeah. Because I did you know, it, I, things like going to university, university to me was never an option because i didn't know anybody that went to university yeah my parents had never been i thought like, what is it it was i didn't have anybody around me saying do this and i'm glad i didn't because i yeah. wouldn't have lived the life i've lived yeah but yeah uh, shit education in the in the 70s and 80s that taught me just enough english how to read and write i would say but do you think like uh, again Getting, I can relate to that shit education from a working class family. But do you think that in cities in in, in the UK, c coming from that, that a, a lot of people from that will use that to to really sort of fire up some drive, and and, and I, I'm, oh. I'm I'm sort of driven by that. I don't know if if, if that's something. Yeah, this is why you and. I've had this conversation a few times. This is why you will never have an oasis or a stone roses from Norway or Sweden. Yeah. You, you know, or a tragedy from Austria. Yeah. We, you know, this country's grimy. You know what I mean? It's grimy. We're very tribal. Yeah. We're very city oriented. You see it in the football how we are. And the kind of grimy, especially from our era where we didn't really have anything, it's like it, that does make. The, that's why England is so rich when it comes to music. Yeah, it's a bit like the way hip hop is in New York because New York in the seventies and eighties was a very dangerous place. It's a grimy place with a lot of ghettos in there, a lot of murders, a lot of violence, and nobody wants that. But that also makes an atmosphere of creativity, and people react to the environment they're in. Yeah, you, you know, and do it. So, I, yeah, I think that's why we do have the bands we've got. That's why we've got so many, you know, whatever you want to call them, scallies or yeah. people are a bit crazy. Yeah. Because we are a bit crazy. The English are crazier than everybody else in Europe. I, I, and my I, father said, we're an island and we're tribal. Yeah, absolutely. You, you look at the Arctic Monkeys, right? That their, their first album, that's just pure social commentary. You know, it's 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 yeah. poor kids from a, you know, from a poor city uh, just literally writing social commentary which essentially is 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 what rap is and and yeah it, it, and and you can trace that through to oasis 
back to you know the, the Roses, back to Joy Division, and and further, further back to four working class lads from Liverpool that you know the, the Beatles. Just you know, and it's just yeah. you know, as you said, Scally's just you know trying to find yeah. a way out. Drum and bass, drum and bass couldn't have been invented in any other country. Yeah, that energy, drum and bass and dubstep, born out of Jamaican West Indian music. Mm basically coming from the east end of London and a few other parts, but that energy is an energy, it's, it's a grimy energy yeah. that you'll only get here. And none and of that you, you none of that comes from money? No, none of it. Like, like I've I worked with some guys in Norway. Norway have got some of the best musicians because they've been playing instruments for, from five years old. But there's nobody over there that has that real attitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're all multi-talented, way more talented than me. Mm. But they don't have that edge, but because their their lives have been quite nice compared to ours and our parents and our grandparents, yeah. and that you know your environment shapes who you are. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Tell me about the first record you remember buying, please, Dom. I couldn't hundred percent rem- uh, remember, but I'm. If it's not that, it's either the first or second. It was Adam and the Ants. Got what the album was now was it kings of the wild frontier yeah but i think i was buying a few singles before then i was like a bit of an adam and the ants fan and i brought all of their music at the yeah. time up until stand and deliver and yeah. going forward which is listening again i thought it's, it's a bit punk rock isn't it adam massively the, ants, a bit. the early stuff yeah so it's like so i was that got my interest just as hip-hop was coming along and then that over obviously yeah. the whole pop dance music thing overtook not everything i i listened to stand and deliver the other night when i was going through the records and i think it's still a great record that's an incredible record and as a young lad like when i'd see adam Ant on top of the pops i thought he was the coolest fucking geezer on the planet like what a pop yeah, star exactly. that's what you want your pop stars to look like isn't it yeah with a bit of attitude definitely yeah 100 percent. and and it's so interesting that people of our generation when you start talking about first records you buy and, 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 and school. So many people will reference Adam and the Ants or Madness, them two bands, or the specials, any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two other bands are like, I mean, I would love the specials, yeah. yeah. And after that, I was in, big into Art of Noise. Yeah, oh, mate. Like, that blew my mind. Yeah. That just, again, that was connected to hip-hop yeah. because of the drum machines and the, the new technology. Yeah. How did you go from, you know, somebody that, that left school not feeling like they got the education they deserved? How did you sort of start to find yourself inside the, the music industry? DJing. So I start. I mean, I, was, I had my first turntables when I was 14. Uh, my mother was a DJ. So I've been around that culture of DJing and knowing about it and being around music. So I started DJing. I made my first official record when I was 17 with the, one of the guys from KLF had a record label and he put out a compilation of some old uh, London MCs and Ooh. I was I used to be called DJ Quick it was DJ Quick and MC Pfizer left and this other guy from LA with Jerry Curls came out as DJ Quick so I thought you can have it mate you can take that name so that, that was my first ever like official signing signing a piece of paper I don't know what it was what I signed on there but uh, was that, that was my first record was that Bill Drummond or Jimmy Coulty? 
I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, we're going back quite a few I years. I mean, if your first deal's with the Caliph, that's fucking beyond cool. What a place to start. Yeah, so that, I mean, I was, and the, one of my favourite albums is KLF Chill Out as well. Oh, man. The, no one ever talks about that. Because that come way before all the big success, didn't it? And that record with the sheep on the cover was just beautiful, wasn't it? I'm big into ambient, trippy, weird, chill out music. You know, I like to smoke a bit of weed and relax. Yeah. And I, that record blew my mind when yeah. like the Elvis coming in and everything. That, today is it's like a genius yeah. uh, piece of work. So I've been, I was a massive fan. Not so much, I mean, I like the other stuff they did, but mm. that was what I really liked. The, yeah. That stuff, yeah. That was uh, that. It just felt like for me there was just a couple of my mates knew that, and like, and and we all had it on vinyl. And what's weird is fast forward to the what time is love and the Freeham Eternals and all of the big when they become a big pop band essentially. So many bits and the the, the real hooks in all of them songs and little vocals like oh 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 he's, he's on chill out. There's so many bits that they've lifted from chill out and dropped them into them pop songs. It's a incredible album that absolutely incredible i'm going to ask you now as somebody that's a, a dj and a hip-hop head and has got an insane record collection behind them tell me about the importance of the record store for you growing up well <laughs> i don't know how to put it into words really it was like these the sweet shop wasn't it i mean i was just <laughs> yeah. it was the record store was just, you know, I was in there every week. We had a place called Selected Disc in Nottingham and Arcade Records, which would have all the imports and go in there waiting for the imports, paying five or six pounds 25 years ago. You know, for, didn't matter. We didn't even have to hear it back then. Just If it looked like a hip hop record, I was buying it. Yeah. And just standing in there and going through records. It was, it's hard to explain now because the generation now have got, you know, it's it, they don't do it at all. I know there's a bit of revival with vinyl, but it's never going to be like what it was. Yeah, it's going there and having that record and, and holding it and reading, turning it over and reading it, you know, not just listening to it, looking at it and holding it. And yeah. Yeah, the record shop to me was everything, it was my favorite shop. Yeah, it was my favorite place to be, really. It was, it was my whole life, and I was a um. As a hip hop DJ, I was a big breakbeat collector. So I was collecting stuff, just looking for drum beats and looking for things to sample. So I spent a lot of time in secondhand record shops, just looking for the weirdest stuff and looking at the groove and knowing if the groove was a little bit wide, there was either a breakdown or a drum beat on that groove. Yeah. It's, uh, it, 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 and and I, what I like is. I Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I pretty much could guarantee that if I pulled out any of them records from, from that unit behind you and said, where'd you get that? I'm pretty sure you would know the journey that was attached to every single one of them. And I think that's something that's lost in where we get our music now. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's, 
it's like going into a, re a really great restaurant, isn't it? And seeing a buffet and going, I want that one. And then having somebody bring it. To, there's a process to buying music. You had to get on the bus. You had to go to the record store. You had to go through and find it or speak to your connection at the record store, pay, look at it, go home. Now you, a new record comes out. You just open up Spotify, Apple Music. It's there within five seconds. Yeah. There's no search. I used to search for music and look for music. You but, know, I've got friends who come out and they'll pull stuff out and go, wow, you know, it's, and there's a story behind everything. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was everything really, because we didn't have much else, did we really? No, it not was, at all. And, and no, if, I was into football and music. That was my two things. And it, for, for me as well, like, I, I was just a, you know, I was, I was a nerd for music. And once I put that piece of vinyl on, or even if it was a cassette or whatever, I'm then looking at the sleeve notes. Who's the producer? Oh, he produced that. And like, and well, cassettes just, were massive, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, cassettes were still big. The mixtapes, I mean, recordings from New York radio. I, I'd record things from New York radio and they were like gold dust to people. Yeah. Absolutely gold. Just hearing Mr. Magic, Marley Mole, uh, all of these voices, Red Alert, talking and then playing music was just like, huh? It just sounded like something from another planet. Yeah, it didn't yeah. even sound like it was from here. Yeah. It just put you in a whole another vibe and a whole other world. Yeah. It was it was exciting, you know, seeking out music. And then some of the biggest records you hear, you hear them for the first time in a nightclub. Yeah. Not on your headphones or Spotify. You know, you go to a nightclub and you're like, wow. So you're hearing it yeah. on a huge system. I mean, the way we consume music was so much more exciting. And yeah. it we had less. So we weren't we, there wasn't like thousands of things there. Yeah, you know, like again, if you walk in a restaurant and there's a thousand choices, suddenly everything's not as exciting. Yeah, you know, so having less choices and yeah, the way we consumed it, I think was something quite special, really. Absolutely, that's been lost forever, unfortunately. But, you know, life moves on. Absolutely, I want to pick up on your journey. So you you you, you put that tune out uh, on the KLF, um, uh label. Uh, and then where, where did where did the, the career start to move after that? So after that, uh, me and Pfizer, we set up our own record label called Singer Song Records. And we put a couple of records out with people from Man uh, Nottingham, Derby, Sheffield, as well as Pfizer from London, and did that for a couple of years. And that, that became like my link to move into... Uh, New York, because I was trying to get American rappers, and back then you'd have a phone number on the on the records and all the imports. So I used to just call people up, you know, hello, who are you? I'm doing this, blah blah blah. And long story short, that was how I made my first connection into New York with uh, Howie T and the Real Roxanne. And so, what they they then kind of were into what you were saying, and, and you went out there. Well, what happened was like, there was a record. It was. Izzy Ice and DJ Majesty, who ended up signing for Jive Records. I brought one of their imports in Nottingham, and there was a number on there of the guy who put the record out. I called him, built a relationship up with him, uh, and that led to me going out there, basically, and that led to the first, most of the records I did. I ended up flying there, seeing him coming back, flying there, then I just ended up staying there, and I never came back, basically. Yeah. His cousin was Howie T., and that was the first person I worked with and the first person I made a, a major uh, label record with. Yeah. 
I want to uh, ask you about the next track, which is um, which is about clubbing, and and I'm interested to know if this is going to be something from the perspective of a DJ or the perspective of a clubber. But tell me about the the song that soundtracked your years clubbing. Uh, Mr. Fingers, can you feel it? What a tune! I could have picked a few. I could have picked Adonis. I could have picked Marshall Jefferson, uh, but that one again. Larry Heard, godfather of house music, deep house music. Again, simplicity, very simple. An amazing record. And because I was big into, into Chicago House as well, yeah. like the said, but I love Chicago House, the whole Strictly Rhythm, Derek May, all that vibe. And it was called garage music, you know, yeah. way before what we call garage music now, we used sure. to call it garage. And that record was just such a classic record and it just blew my mind basically. Yeah. It was like, you know, you know, what is this? It just blew my mind. And yeah. hearing it when I was first going clubbing, 86 as a teenager. And again, today I, I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is still a great record. Yeah. It's it's one of them things when, when people sort of go, oh, the, you know, the most important decade for music, oh, I was still 60s, you know, or you look at the 70s with like punk and you know, and, and disco and stuff. For me, I, I will stand by the 80s is the most exciting decade for music ever. The amount of music and the variety of music from those early kind of new romantic synth tunes through to like, you know, back to things like the two-tone movement that was happening at the beginning of the 80s. And then you get like house music, you get hip-hop, you get electro, and then you get the Manchester scene in 88, 89, and then you get the Daisy Age rap coming in at the end of the 80s. It just, acid house, there was so much music happening in, in the 80s that I think it's, it's, for me, head and shoulders, the most revolutionary decade in music. Because it was aligned with the technology and the revolution in technology. Yeah. So it made, make like Larry Heard made his record at home. Yeah. So you couldn't really do that before, you know what I mean? Uh, well, you, records weren't made like that. They were made in studios with yeah. two-inch tapes and you couldn't do it. So the invention, of, we, we got a lot, the people we should be think, thanking is the Japanese. Yeah. Because without the Japanese, we probably wouldn't have Can You Feel It or... Chaka Khan, that yeah. record, because they invented the drum machine yeah. and the eight and all these things that made it, we could go at home and make music. Yeah. So that's when it started to become accessible. Yeah. You know, most of the records I made in the early eighties, early nineties were made in people's houses yeah. or studios in people's houses. Yeah. So I think that's why it opened up uh, the avenue for people to make music. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think every, every, decade has got incredible music like i'm a massive motown fan yeah you know i don't hear people making records like that anymore yeah you know i, I love Jimi hendrix and all that but like you say but they're just more in the 80s it exploded in the 80s the, to me the golden era of hip-hop was in the 90s yeah when you know because everybody sounded like themselves yeah you know, like, like we don't have the same voices we don't look the same now yeah. now i can't tell the difference between 80% of uh, the big hip-hop acts. Yeah. They're all on the same beat, the same generic drum pattern with the same topics, and they all dress the same. So it, it, it's gone. Pick back up on your journey and tell me about what was happening for you in hip-hop in, in the 90s. 
Well, the 90s, so 1990, I've been going to New York since 87, uh, 88. I've got family in New York as well. But by 1990s, when I started to work in studios and do it, and my first um, major label uh, placements and releases with, is with a guy called Little Sean, who was on Capitol Records. And he was an artist with, I don't know if you remember, Howie T and the Real Roxanne. Of course. Which was quite big, another quite famous thing at the time. So I started going out and doing that in 1991. And in 92, the guy that was mentioned before, he built a studio in Brooklyn, in Brownsville. And then I flew over at the beginning of 92 to start working in there and never came back basically for about seven years. So, and that's when I did all of, got the famous stuff. Okay. I'm going to take you home and I'm interested where, where home's going to be uh, for, for, for this track because I want to know your favorite song from an artist from your home county. This was quite a hard one because there aren't many famous artists from where I grew up. So I was, I was going to give you a different, like, I spent more of my life in London than I have there. But yeah. The decision I came to was Stereo MCs and Connected because they were formed in Nottingham and one of the guys is from Nottingham. Yeah. So I thought, right, that's enough for me to pick that record. It's a great record. And they it's based on, uh, what's the record? Jimmy Bohorn. I forgot the name of it, Jimmy Bonehorn, uh, Let Me Be Your Lover, which I used to DJ and scratch as a hip hop DJ. So it's a classic tune, yeah. which I love. And that's the reason I picked that. Yeah. What a record as well. Is this, uh, I'm not sure Tom's been so kind to the Stereo MCs because when when they blew up with that album, like we we Step It Up and was it Grand Level and, and, and obviously Connected, they were clearing up at the Brit Awards. They were, I think they won the Mercury Music Award. They were just everywhere. Live were phenomenal. And and yeah. it just seemed to just, I don't know, they, they say there's a curse attached to that Mercury Music Award. That once you get that, it's always a slippery slope. But but yeah, I, I just think that record, and, and to me, connected, when that vocal kicks in and then that beat drops, holds up, really holds up. Such a tune. Everything works on that record yeah. perfectly. It just—it's just a fantastic, amazing record. And if I was going to DJ tonight and play a, a, a mix of stuff, that would definitely be in my box to play. Yeah. And I, I think, it, and fair play to them—they've made a career out of the music they've done. They're still yeah. live. They're still doing it. Yeah. And anybody that can survive and pay their bills in music for more than five years yeah. is a genius, even if they've not had a hit record. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, last track, and this is when you get to play DJ and Tastemaker. Tell me a song that uh, you think our listeners may not know that you would like them to hear. The song is Baby Huey and the Babysitters, and it's Hard Times. Oh, it's, what a it, 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 it's just such a classic, incredible record. It's If you know anything about early 80s, Late late 80s, early 90s hip hop, you know it's been sampled and used on, I think it's like 80 different hit records, yeah. which is amazing. Tribal Quest, Little Wayne, The Game, so many people. But the first pe first guy to ever use it as a sample was Chill Rob G on Let the Rhythm Hit Him. And after that was Bismarcky. Yeah. 
But the record itself to me is not a lot of people know it. It was it was originally written by Curtis Mayfield and it was on one of his albums. Mm. And then Curtis Mayfield signed Baby Huey. I think it was in 1970. Um, but unfortunately, he died before the end of the album. So we never got to see an album actually released. He was a part of a touring band and they put a few singles out. But so that was a cover version of Curtis Mayfield, re-sang for Curtis Mayfield's, who's an absolute genius yeah. himself, for uh, his record label. And if you hear that record, if you, if you don't like that record, your ears are probably not working. Yeah, they're not working if you don't like that, 100%. And I mean, yeah, if Baby Huey weren't the most sampled you know, artist, then Curtis Mayfield probably weren't too far behind him either. Like, yeah. Incredible. And, and yeah, Hard Times, absolute, absolute tune. Um, Talking of tunes and talking of, you know, creating stuff, what's happening with you? Well, at the moment, I'm doing the Shortwave Craft Project, which is with me and my cousin, Tom Carr. So we had a single out in January. We have a remix out in a couple of weeks. And we're working on an EP right now. We, we have a lady that did a really beautiful, incredible record. I don't want to say what it is yet because we haven't confirmed it. You'll know the band and album. And I'm going to Norway to record some songs for that. Uh, after that, I'm going to Tokyo to finish a hip-hop album my first Japanese hip-hop album. And then I've always got a few little bits and pieces. I've got my hands in a few different pies. Yeah. And I mix and master for quite a few people. So I'm doing some mixing and mastering for BB Records with DJ Andy Smith, some disco re-edits. And... So a few things across the board, really. Wonderful. And if people want to keep quite up... Busy, which is good. It's always good. And like you say, if you can manage five years in that industry, let alone the amount of time that you've been creating in the industry, then you're winning, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I've worked with some really talented, fantastic people, way more talented than I am. But after a few years, they just they give up because I get it. You know, it's I had a lot of years like, living with, you know, hand to foot, really. I was living with no money. You know, yeah. when I was in Brooklyn, at first, I had no money. It was tough to live, and a lot of people can't do it. Yeah. But I never gave myself a get-out-of-jail card. It's like, it's this or nothing. So yeah. I don't have a choice. I've never given myself a choice. Yeah. There's nothing else I can do. And there's nothing else I want to do, Yeah, really. So it's like, this is, you know, it's... it's Yeah, but to survive in the music industry is incredibly tough. Yeah. It, like, to earn money. There is no regular money. I can earn... 50, I could get a, a sync tomorrow from a, a movie for £50,000 and then earn nothing for 18 months. And yeah. people think, oh, you just made 50 grand. You know what I mean? So surviving in the music industry is very tough. It's very hard to do. Dom, if people want to keep up to speed with everything that's happening uh, with all of your projects, where's the best place to, to follow what you're up to? Well, my Instagram is The Love Theme because I also have my own band called The Love Theme where I put out yeah. stuff. It's been a bit slow over the last couple of years, but I've just finished an album. So that is something I'll put out. And then DominicOwen.net. I'll, I'll update it now. I've had this interview with you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the, uh, we'll tag you in it. We'll send you a message. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Uh, like, we, we'll tag you in it when, 
uh, when this episode comes out. So if people are following you uh, already, then they can do so. And and what we also do, Dom, is put together a, a Spotify playlist of all the songs that we've spoken about today so people can head over there and, and, and check out the tunes if they haven't done uh, already. Um, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting records with you. It's so nice to, to, to speak to someone uh, my age as well on this podcast that's got the same <laughs> reference points for, for hip-hop. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to press stop, Tom. Don't go anywhere. There you go. Oh, I love that chat. Uh, top lad was Dom. Um, really good to get to have them chats with people that got that excitement of when hip-hop first dropped and just going, my God, what is this stuff? Like, it's from outer space. And and just getting them scraps of it. It's It's always super lovely when whenever i have them conversations and, and hearing not only did he grab them scraps of hip-hop that he could you know he he just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and then fast forward however many years and there he is you know living in in new york living at the epicenter of it you know in studios with rakeem buster rhymes mop you know angie stone you know biggie everyone crazy 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 and uh and still, just double humble, approachable, nice guy. Go check out Shortwave Craft. Um, it's incredible uh, trip up. Uh, so go check that out. Um, go and find us on the socials. We've tagged um, Domino, everything on there. So go give Dom a follow. Other than that, I'm back next time. Go check out the back catalogue. Um, if you like hip hop, then I might suggest that you go and have a look. Um, I've had a great chat with Chuck D on this podcast. That's definitely worth uh, a listen um who else have i had on yellow wolf um trying to think who else um from the world of hip-hop but uh amazing other producers as well fat boy slim butch vig darren emerson paul oakenfold go check them all out dj semtex um and dj destruction go check that out both um cause huge waves in uh in the world of hip-hop uh so that's all available for free in the back catalogue um go get stuck in. In the meantime, be nice to each other. See you soon. Bye-bye.